Aleluya. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew. <laughs> wow. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Wow. Amen. This is tremendous. I'm excited for you. And Brother Barnett tells me you're fixed to go into the month of uh, prayer and sacrifice and dedication and commitment. Folks, there's no telling where God is going to take you. Amen. What a great church to be a part of. Hallelujah. Praise God. You just can't have this anywhere and have the truth. But in Matthew chapter 18, we'll be reading verse 21 through 35. I'm thanking God for filling 10 or more people with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You that need the Holy Ghost don't go to sleep. I'm, I'm talking about myself too. Don't go to sleep. Uh, and I will be done. This, there's no window to fall out of here unless the brother upstairs falls asleep and falls down out of that, the birdcage and we'll have to revive him. I haven't saw the dead. Well, I have saw the dead raised one time. Uh, one one dead person be raised, but uh, if, if anyway, we'll move on from there. Praise God. Seen a lot of spiritually dead folks moved. Amen. Matthew chapter eighteen, verse twenty one. Then Peter came to him and said, "Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him up to seven times?" Jesus said to him, "I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Everybody say, that's a lot of money. As he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold, which was the customs of that day, with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before his master, for fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred denarii, and uh, which is like a hundred dollars compared to the million that he owed. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. <clears throat> so when his fellow servants saw what was done, what had been done, they were very grieved, and they came and told their master all that had been done. 
that his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servants just as I had had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. Now understand that the man was forgiven of a debt. But because he would not forgive, then that that he was forgiven of was applied back to him and he had to pay the penalty. And what was the penalty? The penalty was delivering to the tortures until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother their trespass. Amen, amen. You may be seated. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ over this. Haunted houses are scary. That's what they're supposed to be. But the general rule of a haunted house is that it operates on fear. Amen? Amen. They want to scare you. The things that are in a haunted house are meant to cause your heart to beat really fast. And it causes you to want to get an extra pair of legs to run as fast as you can from what you are seeing. But you cannot get out of the house until you're finished going through the maze or whatever it is that you're going through. Uh, I don't like haunted houses. I could just look in the mirror and be scared, and that's enough for me. Uh, or, I, or better than that, when I get tired of that, I can just go to the mall and sit down in one of those comfortable chairs when my wife is shopping, and I see a lot of things that are frightening at the mall. Can you say amen? But fear is a normal normal emotion. It's a natural flight response to danger that we have in our surroundings. But what happens when it is something more like excessive mistrust and worry and phobias and, and anxiety and restlessness and unbelief and doubt, fear, or failure and dread and terror and lies and, and, and shame and many other things? What happens when it turns into excessive fear? <clears throat> I will never forget my first time to ever pray with someone for what I term now for deliverance. I know we have a lot of signs out there and people promote a deliverance service, but, uh, you know, uh, it's really great to be free from alcohol. It's really great to be free from cigarettes and from foul mouth. But there's something many times very deep because all those things are, are symptoms of what's something, amen, something that deeper that is wrong with that person. Amen. I ask people sometimes why they, when they started smoking and they tell me of a stressful situation in their life that prompted them to smoke. Peer pressure. Uh, folks have told me about alcoholism that they, they used to not drink, but stress and uh, death in the family. And you see, there, there's roots to our problems. And many times we deal with the symptoms and we never deal with the roots of our problem. So we're only going to take you so far today and we're going to pray for you and Lord willing, 
We're going to talk with Brother Barnett. He's always at, already asked us to come back. I hope that doesn't offend you. And uh, we're going to come back, amen, because you need to have a lot of prayer and fasting, and you're going through a period of time, amen, this month that is going to be very beneficial, amen, in helping you in more ways that you can even imagine. <laughs> well, I had this young lady in our church. I would say she's young lady. Uh, she was in her early 30s at this time, and uh, she had five kids. And uh, all four, four of her kids was by was by different men, uh, and the last uh, the last two were twins, and they were by another gentleman. And uh, she came into our church, and we didn't care about that. We're we're just happy to get people to come. Uh, but she she came and uh, and she received the Holy Ghost and was baptized in Jesus' name, and she set off to to do her best to live for God. She was doing everything right that she could, that she knew, uh, that I could tell her, amen. She was uh, uh, just receptive to whatever I told her according to the word of God. She she wanted to do that. And so time went by, and then uh, it was her first October in church. And in October, she called me, and uh, uh, we went over to her house, and, and uh, she said, I'm having some struggles, and I don't know what's wrong, but she said, uh, Halloween's coming. And I said, yeah, that's not a big deal, just another day. And then the next time I was called, it was by her husband, who was unsaved at that time, uh, who is now in the church, uh, filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. But at that time, he was he was uh, unsaved, and he called me, and he said, you know, you might want to come over here. He said, something's happening, and uh, uh, my, my wife is, uh, uh, went off into another world, and, uh, and she started experiencing... Uh, childlike behavior and babblings and and uh and really freaking out i said so we went over and we talked to him and and she was she was 30 something years old responsible for five kids one two three four five and all of them were were home at that time and she was uh, coloring in her coloring book and babbling like some little kid like about five or six years old And her husband said she received a phone call from her mother. And her mother mentioned something about her stepdad. As soon as she mentioned this about her stepdad, she flipped out. And I prayed with her. And during the week of October, the Halloween day and that week, she spent most of the, a lot of time with us. And they had a singspiration and we took her to church activities because she was really tormented all during Thanksgiving. So this really bothered me. So as a pastor, I I began to pray and seek the face of God because I was concerned and, and I'd always been taught that once you get the Holy Ghost, you know, you don't have any more problems and, and the devil shouldn't bother you. And, uh, and, and you know, uh, I was taught where, you know, you just, everything, you got it all right then. And uh, when you got it from the altar, you were supposed to uh, do the things you were supposed to do and this was supposed to be right. You weren't going here no more and wearing that no longer. That's 
just the way that it was expected of us. So it really blew my mind. So I began to pray and seek God. And, and, uh, so, and by seeking God and getting into the Word of God and reading books, uh, that were, or that were scriptural based, amen, from, uh, even, uh, uh, brother, uh, uh, what, what is our ministers? Amen. Uh, uh, I began to learn some things, and it really astonished me. I found out, and you already know this because you're smart, but I was a pastor and I didn't know anything. I found out that not only are we three part, we are body, soul, and spirit. And our body is what we see, and our soul is our mind, will, and emotions. And our spirit is where Jesus Christ lives, is the essence of who you are. And I found out that people's emotions are the, what, are the things that are affected by their childhood and by traumatic events that's happened in their past. Yes, their body may be affected, but their body heals itself and they come and we see them and we don't know what's went on in their soulless nature. We don't know what's going on with their soul. And when God fills you with the Holy Ghost, I found out that God comes into your spirit and it's his desire that your body, soul, and spirit be whole. But he doesn't come into your soul immediately. He comes into your spirit. And his desire is to clean things out and to work things out and spend time with you and you with him and you go on this journey that begins to work on things in your soulless nature dealing with your mind, with your will and your emotion. Does that make sense to you? And so I began to talked to a few of our leaders that are that were very spiritual. Not all leaders are spiritual. I know you have all leaders that are spiritual, but in the church I pastor good folks, but they weren't all spiritual. And so I took a couple of them that, that operate in the gifts of the Spirit and have a prayer life and are very dedicated prayer. I took them aside and I began to have meetings with them and talk to them about this. And, and they we began to study the Word of God together because I don't want to be wrong. And I got people's lives at stake here. And I found out that, uh, that because there are open doors that are left in people's lives, in their soul, that many times it's an open door for shame and for spiritual activity to linger there, even though that person has the Holy Ghost. I am not declared to you this morning, I got it, that you can have the Holy Ghost and be demonically possessed. You're not getting what I'm saying. Amen. I am saying that it is like, if you will let me use this example, as, amen, in the Old Testament, the Israelites in the temple, amen, they had the outer court, the inner court, and the Holy of Holies. The outer court would be typical of your body, and the inner would be typology of your soul. But the inner court, where God dwelled, was the place of the Holy of Holies. And none of that could get into there unless you allow it to by not doing the things you should be doing. So I felt pretty confident that there was some kind of demon activity going on in this lady's soul, this nature. And so we went on a fast, and we asked her to fast, and we asked her to come to the church. We talked to her a little bit, and she said, I want deliverance. Whatever it is, I want to be free from it. And so... 
I told her to write down before she came, uh, we fasted three days with only water and juice, no food. Three days, she did too. There was no food on her stomach. And we asked her to take a pencil pen and write down everyone that she had a fence with. Because I had heard, she had told me earlier how her dad had, what he had done to her. And she had been ritualistically abused. Now, you say, there's not very many people that's really been ritually abused that have been. I want to tell you, feelings don't have to be true to be real. And when people tell me things of a spiritual nature like that, amen, even though I'm not here to declare whether it happened to them or not, because they, they, if, whether it did or not, if they believe that it happened, they start exemplifying behavior as if that happened in their past. I'm not a psychologist. I don't want to be a psychologist. If you're one, God bless you. But there's more than the mind that's been wounded in traumatic events in people's lives. And you cannot just heal the mind without healing the rest of the soul. There's a wound there. And you can't deal with it with medicine. You can cover it up with medication. You keep taking your medication. We're not here to uh, to bring reproach upon you for doing that. But I'm here to declare to you that it could be very possible, amen, that you could be free from the medication that you're on because you will come to deliverance. So Teresa came to the church. That's her name. That's, that's who I call her name to be whether it is or not, doesn't matter. She came to the church, and they were making Peter Biddle down in the basement. We had both doors closed, and we put a sign on there, no one entered, because she was terrified that someone would, 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 would know that she was there to get help. And she did not know what she would become, because she had never been herself, if you know what I'm talking about. Anybody know what I'm referring to? She didn't know what she was going to be because she was done wrong from a young age. 12 years old, she, or before that, she was injected with heroin. She was an addict from the time she was 12 years old. And her dad pumped drugs into her, and she was taken to these things, and she went into detail. It was horrific things that I will not share with you. But I know that if she, if she wasn't involved in ritual, if she wasn't involved in ritualistic abuse, uh, then, then, uh, it, it sure was a story to me because she knew all the details and told me them all. And so we brought her up and Sister Kathy from our church was there, who, very spiritual lady, a prayer warrior, intercessor, and we brought Teresa up there. She told me, she said, Pastor, she said on the way to church, she said, almost didn't make it because there kept a voice telling me just to drive off, the, just, just to go and crash my car. She said, I fought that all the way here. I said, that's good. You made it. I said, how are you feeling? She said, my stomach's real sick. I'm just, all this stuff is going on in my stomach area, and it's rolling I said, that's good. Strange, but good. 
She wrote a list of everybody that done her wrong, done her best to forgive them and marked them out one by one and it took her many hours because each one hurt her so bad from her childhood. She had been in lesbian affairs. She had been a number of things. She had done everything and taken every kind of pill and been to every doctor and they gave her whatever she wanted because they will do it. Pain pills. She stole from her best friend's pills out of her bathroom cabinet. Not to get high, but to get relief because she was tormented. We prayed and began. She said, uh, I'm really scared, Pastor, because what if they hear me downstairs? I'm, I'm making this candy. They're making candy and what if they hear a commotion up here? She was just scared of the unknown. We were too because we, we didn't have any idea what was fixing to happen. And I said, Teresa, they love you. And if they hear any noise up here, they'll just know that we're having a prayer meeting. And if they know it's you, that'd be okay because you're part of our family. And they love you. And we love you. And all of a sudden, she looked at me and she said, no, they don't love her. She said, they hate her, just like I hate her. I said, excuse me? Uh, it was not none of this. I'd pray with people that had been totally possessed with demons before. And I'd know this is all this stuff, you know, and that's real. But this person is talking to me in her voice. And I said, stop, what's going on here? This is not right. This is not the way I was raised. You can't do this. And then it said to me, I wanted to kill her when she was six years old, and I tried, and you can't have her. So I said, well, this is on. I can't explain this, and I can sit here and argue with you. This was on. All I knew was that here's the devil, or whatever this is, is telling me first thing. I didn't have to be real smart to know to rebuke and command a spirit of suicide to come out of her. That was pretty easy. And I've tried to kill her five times, which is exactly the many times she told me that she had tried to commit suicide. So I said, okay. <laughs> I looked at Sister Kathy. Our mouths were wide open. We were scared half to death. I'm telling you, we were scared half to death. We never walked in this before. And I looked at that, that woman in the face, and she was right in front of me. I said, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over. She had already repented, done her stuff. I said, I bind and command right now in the name of Jesus, the spirits of suicide to come out of her. And when I did, it was on then. And this session, this what we call, I call a session that we had with her, went on for six hours. And I don't want to disgust you to tell you that there was everything come out of her. The wastebasket was being filled with black dirt. Black dirt. 
I had a friend, he, he asked me the other day, he said, I was talking to the girl, our brand new convert, and he said, I started talking to her about a Bible study. She's in their house. This is one of our preachers. And she said, I'm talking to her about the power of the name of Jesus. And he said, all of a sudden, she opens up her mouth and starts spitting dirt out of her mouth. I want to tell you, this stuff is real. And he said, I've never had that happen. What do I do? I said, well, it's on. I'm just declaring to you, there are things that are happening in our churches. Amen. Now, here's what happened when I was coming up. Amen. We had people come to church that that, uh, had demons in them uh, when I was in my childhood. And the pastor would say, and I love and respect them, they would say, hey, everybody, if you're not right with God, get out of here and go to the basement. We would have a basement down south. They said, go to the fellowship hall. And I promise you not, everybody left the house except the pastor and the person that needed help. Uh, I'm telling you the truth with my hands up. I was down south. And, uh, and, uh, I've been in some of those services and I sit there and the kids were like, oh, no, 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 no. we were shaking and our knees were knocking and we see manifestations and, and it was going like, if you ain't right, it's coming out of them and it's getting into you. We're like, oh. <laughs> Anybody know Brother Barnett? You know what I'm talking about? With, with his hand up. I'm telling you, you didn't think anybody was saved in that church when that came. But understand that being apostolic is casting devils out of people. There is no shame in needing deliverance and freedom from bondage of your past. There is no shame in that. Amen, amen. I realize that there are some that's been through more traumatic times than others. Amen. And you're living in torments, as it were. But I'm here to declare to you that wherever you are in your walk with God, there is total deliverance and freedom. Amen. And you can not just be saved, but you can be whole, and you can be complete, and God can do the work in you. Amen. I couldn't call my good friend up, Brother Barnett, and tell him about my this prayer meeting. I couldn't get up at the church and say, hey, praise God, we just had people throwing up here Sunday, I mean Saturday, and I just couldn't do that. I couldn't tell anybody hardly, and the person I did tell, they told me that you better get away from there, There's just, it's, 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 it's not right, that's not in order for today. Like, what am I supposed to do? Well, they didn't have the Holy Ghost. They were, they didn't have it. Okay, all right, I'm sorry. So I tried it again. I had people come into our church, Brother Bustard, who taught it. And then I watched him. A blind man, William Bustard, the oldest Bustard boy, that was in my office, he would put his head on people's back and he would tell them everything that ever happened in their life and he would start commanding demons to go. And I'm telling you that people would be set free. I'm talking about saints that have been in church 27, 29, 30 years that have been sitting there bitter and angry and 
talking in tongues and doing everything on the hour that was right and the inward, amen, it seemed like, amen, and they were in torments and they were they were a mess at their house and dealing with situations. Their home was a problem. Their marriage was a problem. Amen, you see, 95% of marriage problems have nothing to do with the marriage. It has to do with what was brought into the marriage. Somebody says, well, I'll just get rid of that one and go to the next one. That's not the, the, the thing to do. You ain't got the idea. There's things that you messed up, and, and, and you got two messed up people. They need help. And if you go get messed up with somebody else, it's not any better. In fact, it's worse. Amen. So I will just tell you, they had people coming to our church. And they said, Pastor, I want prayer. And I have so much to teach on this. Now we have a little bit of time. One woman said, I was abused sexually by my father for six, until I was 16 years old. And I believe I've forgiven him. But I believe, but I submit to your teaching and I want you to pray with me. And that woman come into our office and we prayed. We just started to pray. I never tell people you got things. It's up to God. When I start praying for people after they repented and they want deliverance, if those things are there, they'll start manifesting when I speak to them. Amen. I promise you. And we started speaking to them. Speaking to what could have been there with the things she had gone through. This woman found out that she hadn't forgiven her dad and things began to manifest. And there are huge numbers of people in our churches that are really in need of deliverance. They look really good on the outside. When we see them, they look like they have it all together. But honey, inside, they are falling apart and they are hurting and they are in torments because of things that's happened to them that they haven't let go. And many of them keep things buried and they think that if I bury it long enough, nobody will know it here. It never happened. Not me. No, there's probably people in this church, amen, this morning that have never told your mate, your loved one that you've been abused. Maybe you have, but sometimes many will not even say that because they have tried to keep it a secret. It's not something that we talk about a lot. Your pain. You want us to see the good things. You want us to see the joy. Amen. But it's all superficial, but I'm telling you about a mighty God this morning. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. I'm telling you that the word of God declares. Amen. Hallelujah. That Jesus Christ can set you free. I had people begin to call me from all over the world. Even in the Philippines, and I flew to the Philippines, and I taught on deliverance in the Philippines. I've been to New York eight times. I've traveled all over because people have folks in their church that are hurting 
And I want to teach to them about deliverance and about shame and how to overcome it. And I cannot tell you the many that have seen, that we have seen be delivered in all kinds of situations that don't matter now. But what matters, amen, is that they are free and they are ladies and men that are operating in the gifts of the Spirit sitting on their pews. They are being witnesses. Because you know what? If you don't love yourself, kind of hard to love others Amen. like you need to. And it even affects your relationship with God. Amen. Jesus said, greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are three relationships. Amen. There's people that are offended at God. You say, I don't know, can that be? How can you be mad at God? I'm in the, I got the, I want to tell you, <clears throat> I go home with my wife from church and I live with my wife and sometimes we're mad at each other. <laughs> Hello, I'm, I'm just telling you. We don't stay mad at each other now. And I have to stop over, I had to stop over to uh, doing the first or second song in the worship service from being as a pastor and say, you know, honey, she's playing the piano, and I walk over there, I'm going, honey, please forgive me, I've been a jerk. I kind of do this a little bit, maybe, I don't know. But, but anyway, I make things right. But you can be mad at each other and still have a relationship with your husband or wife. And there'll be something that you have against them. But yet, you still say you love them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And there's many people. You see, when you're abused, the offense doesn't all the time, the greater offense, yes, it's against the person, but the greater offense comes to you because you're beginning to think why, what is so wrong with me that this person is doing this to me? Why does my dad keep on telling me I'm ignorant and I'm stupid and I grew up being uh, trashed, amen, verbally, uh, and I must be something wrong. You see what I'm talking about? So therefore, there's forgiveness that I need to give to myself. Because all of these areas of our relationship affect, I cannot love you no more than I love God. Amen. And many times our relationship with God is very strained because I don't love me because of what I continue to believe that's been said about me is true and how I feel about myself because what's been done to me and it's still a part of my soulless nature. I don't want it to be this way. I want to change. I want to be different. Amen. And I, and, and I have the Holy Ghost and I want to serve God and I've been baptized, but it seems like that I just can't get free of these things from my past. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, Second Timothy Chapter 1, verse 7, a spirit of fear, which fear means timidity. Can you imagine what it would be like in the apostolic church, apostolic faith church, 
if everyone here was free of fear, was free of intimidation, was free of shame, we have the truth. And we are not so winners like we need to be because we're ashamed. And we're afraid to speak out. We're timid until you push the button. Or maybe do you act like you push the button and then I turn into somebody that you don't even know. This something starts coming out of me. This feeling, all the things that's happened to me. This one guy, he would go into fits of anger and he choked his newborn baby twice. He had no recollection of ever putting his hands on his baby. He completely would black out. I'm talking about a man, a young man, his first baby. He's been raised in the church all his life. He's got the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, married to an apostolic lady. She told me, I'm leaving him. I'm never going to be back with him again. He's not going to do this. He came in to visit with me. And I said to him, you know what? Your dad beat you till you were 16 years old. And the unforgiveness that you've held in does not come out against your dad, but it shows up in anger. And you're angry on everybody else. Not all the time. He was a meek-mannered guy. But I said, when your buttons are pushed, all the stuff that's held in there through the unforgiveness against your father, who you say you've forgiven him. He said, no, I haven't forgiven him yet. He said, we go to family meetings and we have a good time, but I can't stand him. Now, this man was in the church. And he held on to that all these years, and nobody ever knew it. And it would manifest itself to harm his own family. You see, what you have in you, if you allow that to stay, is bringing harm to those that you love. Even if it's yourself and you're dealing with it, trying to deal with it within yourself, it's causing harm and stress, undue stress upon your own body. There's no sense for, and, and the sad part about it was that his dad and mom was in church and his dad had been abusing him all these years and nobody ever knew it. Don't think that just because the church house looks good and everybody's all dressed up that there's not abuse going on in homes in some of our churches. Now why? Because dad didn't deal with the problem that he brought into the marriage and now he's put it upon his family. And we could stop and talk about generational spirits, but we don't have time to deal with that. But these things are very real. Amen. And the Bible tells me to give no place to the devil. I got to have a pure heart and I cannot let the sun go down upon my wrath. 
It doesn't matter what I need to do to take care of making it right with that woman if we get in when we get into an argument or somebody that's done me wrong. Amen. I must take it to the Lord and not take it to my bed. Because as soon, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I never thought this day. This is this woman would come up to me, and she told me. She said, "Pastor," she said, "My husband hasn't slept in our bedroom in two months." I said, "What?" I teased on the family. She come up to me. She said, "He's been mad at me for two months." I'm like, "That's going to change." That made me mad. What do you mean you're going to punish your wife because you've gotten a little squabble and your feelings are hurt? I told my wife, if we get in an argument and you moved to the couch, I'm going to the couch with you. <laughs> Come on, somebody. She goes through. We got three bedrooms in our house that's not being used right now. But she goes and she has. I'm just saying. She knows that she can't get away from it. We're going to deal with our stuff before we go to sleep. And we're going to make it right. Are we going to have problems? Yes. Have we had them? Yes. But we're going to work them out. And we're not going to let anything get between us. You got to do it. It may open up a can of worms, but guess what? Stay up all night and get that junk out. Because if you don't get it out that way through repentance and talking with someone that you love, it's going to come out through your attitude and through your emotions and through anger and strife and arguing and bickering and jealousy. Man, I know guys that... Their wives have to call them every time they go someplace. I'm at the grocery store now. I'm leaving the grocery store. I'm like, what? Oh, yeah, man, my, my husband's got to want to know where I'm at. He thinks somebody's going to get me, and they, I'm just such a prima donna. I'm a hunk of chunk, and, and everybody's after me. And I'm like, that man's a jealous nut. He's got some problems. Some craziness that's going on inside our churches. And we're trying to win the world. We're trying to win our neighbor. And we need and can have our soul right with God. Amen. Fear and other spirits that are associated with it are like the strangler fig. The strangler fig begins life as a sticky seed left on a high tree branch by a bird, bat, or monkey in the ever the part of the country. It lives on the tree's surface. As it grows, long roots develop and he said along the trunk of the host tree that they come from the top and they start growing and they're growing to the bottom. And they enter into the soil. They become grafted together with the branches and with the roots of the tree. And then they begin to choke out the life of the tree. And they grow so great that the sunlight is not on the tree anymore. It's on them. The rain doesn't come in the Amazon to the tree anymore. It comes to the fig tree. And just a little monkey brought it by. 
a bad dropped it. It seemed so small when it began. But over a period of time, it will take a grown tree, 150 years old, it'll take it down to where it will shrivel up and it will die because it has no nourishment. That's what your problem wants to do to you. That's what the devil wants it to do to you. God wants to deal with all these other things, but if you hold on to unforgiveness, if you don't deal with it, it's going to be hard. And it's not just something you do one time and get up. You see, wounds will heal of their own accord if they're left alone in the physical but in the spiritual, it's the same way. But the enemy will continually come and peck away at that wound. And sometimes it may start to be opened again. But you have to go on a journey to keep that wound closed. You cannot let it open back up once you close it. Hallelujah. 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 There are many people that are healed but are not whole. The ten lepers were told to go to the priest to show themselves. But only one came back and to that one it was said, be made whole. The rest of them still had the memory of them being a leper. I've been to churches for three and four day revivals. It started out that way. And I would teach on shame and deliverance. And I would have the people in the church make appointments with the pastor when they wanted to come in for prayer. And I would end up staying a week and a half praying with people from morning till night. But when I would leave those churches, the pastor or his wife would get up and say that they felt that that church, the church, it's like a big sponge came out of heaven and washed souls clean. And those churches have went on and built bigger churches and had greater revivals because when you have shame in your life, it hinders you from doing what God wants you to. You understand that if you're here this morning and God speaks to you to get up and operate in the gifts or you're to greet a visitor on the road or talk to someone in the restaurant, you're going to be less likely to do it because you don't feel worthy and you say, how can God do this? There's a lot of factors involved because we have shame in our life. And we have these fear trips and they're very real. Amen. It's very real. Hallelujah. 
God desires you to be free. And your relationships within those three areas be whole. And you spend some time during this month in dealing with your issues. Quit trying to hide them, please. The enemy wants to do what that little fig tree wants to do. That little, little bitty seed or whatever that comes through the air and attaches to that tree. And the problem becomes big now. It becomes big. I will tell you one more story and we're fixed to see people get the Holy Ghost. As I was teaching on dealing with your unforgiveness at a church in New York, in the city, New York, I'm sorry, New York State, a woman kept shaking her head. At the end of the service, I walked back there and I told her, I said, you have to forgive those people. This lady, some years earlier, say to God, Grandma, went into her home after church. I'd be noise to her. Her home were being burglarized by two men and one lady, and she walked in on a home invasion. They took this lady, and they were mean to her all night long, and they left her house early the morning, and they left her for dead on her front porch. They had even taken knives and and scribed in her body swear words and, and did horrible things to her, all three of them. But they were not expecting this woman to live. But the daughter who tried to call uh, the morning couldn't get her and came to the house and mid-morning found her mother. They caught the three young kids. She had to go to trial and face them and look in their faces and give her testimony. And she told me, I'll never forgive them. They took my life. They took my purity. They took everything. She said, I can't go home at night without every light on the house being on. And they've got to stay on. The lights have got to be on. People have to come in there and they have to look through her house before she will come in. They have to help her now. The pastor confirmed the story. She came into church the next day. We began to talk to her. And I just remind her a simple story and this is for you. If you would, for one more time, look at what they did to Jesus. Amen. I know what was done to some of you were very, very horrific. What was done to these ladies and men that I've prayed with, I've heard some terrific, horrific stories I would never imagine. Never. But Jesus did no wrong, just like you did no wrong when you were a child. You didn't deserve what happened. Neither did he. But he laid down his life and they put nails in his hands and feet. Crown of thorns on his head. You know it's an old story, but let me remind you one more time. And then he said to his accusers, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. See, you got a choice to become better or bitter with what has happened to you. Jesus chose, he was as much as humanity as you was. He hurt just like you hurt. This is why the text that I read to you is in relation, that's what's in relation to this. 
you came to Jesus. And Jesus said, I forgive you of all that you've done. And yet you choose to hold on to unforgiveness against men and against family and against a husband, ex-husband or ex-wife or a daughter or a sister or whoever it is. And you haven't forgiven them. You're in torments. You're in a haunted house. And it's not going to get any better. Because you have refused to forgive. Because Jesus said, I have forgiven you of the greater debt. And why do you hold on to the things that I died for? And if I forgave, you also must forgive. It affects our relationship with God. It affects it as difficult as it is. You have to deal with it in forgiveness. I will never forget going to a home mission seminar in Appleton when the late Mike Schmaltz was the home mission director. I went as a pastor. Brother Ellis began to teach on shame. You see, I was raised in a Pentecostal home. I had really good parents. My mother died when I was 12. My dad remarried, but I, I had a good home. I had middle-class home. We never wanted for anything. Our, our needs were met. But you could never, you could never make my daddy happy. If I brought home a, an A, it had to be an A plus. If I, if I, uh, if I lost five pounds, I should have lost ten. And I never could make him happy. And I tried to as a kid. I wanted to make him happy. And so, I found out that I was the same way that my dad was. That our kids could never make me happy. My church could never make me happy. I wanted them to be something that I was not to make me feel better. I had to go pray. And God gave me deliverance that Saturday afternoon. And when Sunday morning came, I went to our church with a message. And the Lord spoke to me in the pulpit before I started preaching, and he said, it's time to do it. I said, no. No. And I got visitors here, backsliders here. And God said, do it. And so I got up in front of my church and I apologized to my church. I told my wife how sorry I was in front of my whole church. I told my children I was sorry. Please forgive me. And I looked at a backslider and I said, I was so hard on you. I said, I'm the reason you got out of church because I drove you out. Because I was so stern, it had to be my way. Because that's what dad did. And I wanted to be like my dad. And when I said that, that backslider stood up 
And he said, and he began to cry, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost right there. And then, from that point, from 10.30 to 1 o'clock, there were people stood up in our church. I couldn't believe it. There were men that were abusing their wives that got up and told the whole church, God gave us a cleansing. I would have never imagined that would have ever happened. Men got up weeping and looked at their wife and began to express to them uh, what they had done. And, uh, and there were things that came out that, that but everybody, they just, they just, everybody just wept. And I thought, you know what? Why can't this be like a ch the church that, that, why can't church be like this? Because we don't trust each other. We don't want anybody to know. But we're hiding all this and we think nobody knows. Somebody knows it. Your wife or your husband or your family knows it. They may not know what your problem is, but they know something's wrong with you because your attitude stinks and you're negative and you're pessimistic. And nobody can make you happy and your kids are having to suffer because of what you're doing. They don't know and they're going to be raised to do what you're doing. I'm not saying that's got to be the case. But more than likely, that's all they know. But honesty is the best medicine. And we need to be free and clean. Quit hiding behind this facade of Pentecostalism. And all, if you don't mind me saying it, if this don't relate to you, and all your dress codes and all that, and people are hiding behind all their self-righteousness, and inside they stink. Amen. Hope I didn't offend my pastor, it's here. Yes, there's a need for that, but more than a need for that, there's a need for inner holiness, inner righteousness. This is what the world needs to see. Because they're sick of the other junk. And it's turned them off being mean and self righteous. And I know that we're not that way anymore. Only about five or six of you are here. You don't like it because all these new people's moved in. Let me just minister to you right now while I'm getting bold and old. Amen. You don't like it because all this new stuff's moved in. Amen. You wanted to go. Somebody said, let's take us back to the old past. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the old past. And that's not what it's referring to. That everybody's got to, everything's got to be like it was in 1950. I'm telling you, we're dealing with hurting folks. Amen. God is a God of love and patience and mercy and compassion. I say, let them come. Amen. Amen. I said, let them stay as long as they want to where they are and let God deal with them and let God take care of the soul problem because he's in that business not me you see I can't make people live righteous if they got junk inside their heart you're wasting your time Ouch. that's twice that must be telling me to get done Amen. No, I'm not going to do it. A couple years ago, I was preaching real hot and heavy at our church. I was 
talking about. You need to take your cloak of sin and shame off and throw it away. And you need to get down. And you need to speak the name of Jesus to those things and beat. So I got down and I started beating the, started beating the floor. Well, yeah, I broke my hand. <clears throat> Didn't hurt at all while all that excitement was going on. But when the altar call started and all of a sudden I looked down there and started throbbing. I'm like, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> That, that wasn't the Holy Ghost. That was my excitement. Amen. I'm not blaming that on God. Amen. 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 But thank God for a wonderful start that he does when he gives us the Holy Ghost. Amen. I want to tell you, I don't understand everything that I know about what I'm preaching about today. But I will give you one illustration. I want to give you an illustration of a big hotel. It's fancy. It's beautiful. One day, these terrorists come in. They come to the counter, and they say, we'd like to rent the room for six months. There'll be others coming in, but we'd like to rent it. We're paying ahead. And different times, there's different groups come, and they have this big suite and all this ungodliness and all this planning of terror is taking place in the motel. But guess what? Business goes on as usual everywhere, every day. None of the rest of the motel is affected. It happens in neighborhoods. You might be surprised what your neighbors are smoking or token. You just have no idea. You look at them and everything looks fine, but the neighborhood still stays the same until the authorities come and make the people leave. When it's revealed, then they can get it out. That's what it means when it says, neither give place to the devil. Understand that forgiveness shuts the door And healing can begin, but you must forgive those people that's done you wrong. I had our church, we would pray, and I prayed it this morning. My wife prays to God, if there's anything that anybody I have an offense against, reveal it to me. How long has it been since you prayed that? There's something secret in there. Reveal it to me. I want to tell you, keep praying it. God will bring it to light. Amen. And you need to deal with it because you got to be saved. Amen. Amen. You got to be saved. Amen. God wants us to love him. And there's deliverance and victory. Amen. And there's power in the name of Jesus. Amen. Brother Barnett, I have ran from this calling. <laughs> Pastors call me and I have to go. And deal with situations, it's not easy. 
But I'm thankful that God is able to use me in the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discernment of spirits. And so in Jesus' name, we have the victory. I'm giving you hope today. Hallelujah. I would like to have every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm asking children, children to close your eyes too. Everyone be respectful. And if somehow, I'm, I'm not going to come back there and pray for you today, unless God tells me to. But if you felt, if you feel that there's some areas in your life, I just want you to raise up your hand because I'm going to say a prayer for you. That's all I'm going to do. I'm going to do it from up here. Raise your hand, amen, that you have some areas in your life that we talked about this morning that you need to be delivered from. Okay. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you. Put your hand down. I do not mind praying with people in church. But there is some things that I do respect. You can look at me now. I know it's hard just for a few more minutes. There are some times that things can happen. Even though we shouldn't be frightened about them. I had a gentleman, that a backslider that I told about deliverance, and he came. We had visitors, and he come up to the platform during worship service, and he said, I want deliverance right now. We started praying with him, and it terrified the visitors, and they'll probably never be back. And I didn't want to do it. He told me after service, he said, I had come for prayer, and I had to have it, and I received it. And I said, well, I wouldn't usually do it in the middle of service. He said, if you wouldn't, I was going out to blow my head off. My gun was in the car, and I brought it if you turned me away. I had to have help. So you got to weigh your options. It was probably the first time our church as a whole had ever saw this happen. We've had it happen a lot, but we bring up a group of women and or men, and we put them behind the person, and it's more private. There, there's things happening. There's things, you know. There's some. There's some roots that are not very deep. They can be dealt with, and some of you had them already dealt with. But there's some that are deeper, and sometimes they take time. That's why that we would be glad to in time with brother. Uh, Barnett to come back and you make an appointment and you come in just us and nobody else. Amen. We respect your privacy. And because there are, there are things that transpire that we want God's house, everything to be done decently and in order. Amen. Amen. So I respect that even from you this morning. But I'm going to do one. I'm going to do several things. I'm going to pray for some of you as I'm, as we're, as a bunch of people's receiving the Holy Ghost in just a few minutes. <clears throat> but some of you, some of you, some of these things are very active in your life. 
and I'm going to abate them and command them not to be able to do what they have been doing to you and through you until we can come back. I know that sounds very weird, but I'm talking from experience because there's sometimes I can't, we can't deal with everything at one time. You know, you're not psychologically, some people, not all of us, are not psychologically capable of being, some people are not psychologically capable of being healed completely of everything that's happened to them in their past. Their mind cannot handle it. You know what I'm talking about, some of you. There's a process. Amen. And this is why sometimes when we pray with people, deep-rooted things, it may take three or four or five hours as we talk and make them comfortable, and, and we want to make it very comfortable because you're precious, folks. And God wants to be a gentleman in everything that he does. Amen. And so we have spoken this over people and and it has worked. <laughs> I don't know, I can't explain it. There's a lot of things I can't explain that God does. But I just gotta believe in that if he did it once, he'll do it again. Amen, 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 amen. So let's bow our head again and pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen, right now. These have raised their hand and need deliverance. Lord, as they work toward there's this place, God, of, of forgiving these people and in this process that this month that they're coming back and, and they're going to be faithful to this church. Lord, they are going to do their best to do the things that are right. And as they're fasting and praying these weeks that are coming up, Lord, I, I speak and I command those things that they would, that, that, uh, that are in their soulless nature, God, to be abated. I commanded and driven back and not be able to exercise themselves through that person to do harm or do thought life. Right now, I speak it in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. This is no excuse to wait. Amen. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. If you are ready, then we are ready. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But you see, the Bible says that unclean spirits gone out of a man, and, and then he walks through dry places, and he finds rest, no rest, and he comes back with seven more. So we want to be sure. Amen. Hallelujah, because this is a very serious thing that's going to take place. Hallelujah. Praise God. But God loves you. Amen. And God cares for you. And he is willing to forgive you. Amen. In those areas of your life, if you will forgive those other people and forgive yourselves. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray for you too when you come up. But right now, amen, we're going to thank God for giving people the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm asking you right now, you that raise your hand that want the Holy Ghost, I'm asking you to come right over here. You don't want the Holy Ghost. Come over here. I need 10 of you. Amen. You don't have the Holy Ghost. This could be your morning. Amen. 
Sunday, your afternoon, praise God. Come on, you don't have service tonight. It's not started snowing bad yet. Amen. Come on, you know what the Holy Ghost are you children? Come on, you said you wanted the Holy Ghost. You raise your hand over here. Come on, you want the Holy Ghost. God's going to give it to you. That's right. Come on, here they come. From the back pew all the way to the front. Come on. Hallelujah. Here's some more. Come on, stand on this side, this side. Amen. Praise God. Look at here. Look at all these folks fixing to get the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Anybody else for the Holy Ghost? Holy Ghost, adults, where you at? Amen. Amen. Come on. You're not going to get it if you if you don't seek for it. Amen. If you don't ask him for it, you're not going to receive it. Amen. How about you? You raise your hand. What do you girls raise your hand? You got the Holy Ghost? You want the Holy Ghost? Come up here. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Come on. In Jesus' name, this is good. Hallelujah. Amen. If you want healing, deliverance, or victory, or any other thing, I'm asking you to come over here, okay? <clears throat> come over to this side. Amen. We will pray for you. Amen. On what level that you have repented. That's all right. Come over here on this side. You're doing good. Praise God. Now, here, I want you all to look at me right now. Okay? These are the folks that want the Holy Ghost. I know somebody could get it out of your pew if you did not come. All right? I like that. God's good. Amen. Oh, you got the Holy Ghost, you beautiful young ladies. You got the Holy Ghost? You do? God, good. That's good. Now, I want y'all to look at me. Now, we're going to repent, okay? I want you to ask God to forgive you of your sins. All right? Amen. I know we did this in the first hour. You say, well, you're really talking about repentance. Well, there's nothing wrong with talking about repentance. Amen. It's very important. So we're all going to ask God to forgive us of our sins, okay? Now, if you do not know how to repent, I'm, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm going to be saying a prayer of repentance in here. You can repeat after me, but just don't repeat it just saying words, but try to say it from your heart, okay? I can't repent for you. You've got to open up your mouth and repent. Okay, and say these words. It simply says, I'm sorry, God, for all my sins. Okay, I want you to bow your head, close your eyes if you don't mind. That just means you're shutting everybody out. Amen, and, and uh, let's repent. God, I thank you for your mercy, Lord. And I'm asking you right now to forgive me of all of my sins. I want you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong, for the things that I've said that were against your word, for things I've thought that was wrong, God, for my actions and deeds that were not like you. And Lord, I expect to receive your spirit into my life because I'm telling you, Lord, that I'm sorry from the bottom of my heart. These things that I've done that were wrong, I don't want to do them any longer. I want to serve you, and I ask you to help me to overcome this sin. And I'm thanking you for filling me with your spirit. Amen. Lift up both of your hands right now to the sky. Amen. And in your playground voice, I want you to start talking to Jesus. Say things like, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. Open up your mouth. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Okay, that's good. Look at me one more time. Keep your hands up and look at me. Okay, just hold up one minute. You're doing great. Thanks so much. Amen. Just want to give you further instructions, okay? Amen. We're going to pray again. 
as you lift up your hands and start saying hallelujah, Jesus, amen. Because I can't lay hands on everybody. It'll take too much time and I don't have to. I'm just gonna speak, receive the Holy Ghost. And when I say receive the Holy Ghost, the Lord's gonna come down. And after I say it, receive it in Jesus' name, you are gonna begin to speak in another language that you've never heard before or been taught. It's a gift. We just had Christmas. You didn't have to beg for a gift. You didn't have to, didn't have to plead. Uh, you just... You just knew it was there. You've repented, and therefore, it's time for you to receive the gift, okay? So you're going to be saying, hallelujah, Jesus, and then I'm going to say, receive you the Holy Ghost, and you're going to start speaking with tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. I'm asking everybody here in this church to stand and pray with me because it's not about me. I mean, you're helping us today create an atmosphere of praise and worship. Is that okay? Amen, over there. Amen, we're gonna ask the ministry and team, we're gonna come over and pray for you too. Amen. So let's say hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for giving me the Holy Ghost. You gotta open up your mouth, open up your mouth, open up your mouth, open up your mouth. Hallelujah, Jesus. Right now, I pray in the name of Jesus to receive ye the Holy Ghost. Come on, you will begin to speak with tongues. Hallelujah, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah, Jesus